Welcome to Ladies Who Launch, not your average business podcast. Dropping every other Wednesday, Alyssa and Dakota are two successful and opinionated marketing entrepreneurs engaging in insightful conversations with industry thought leaders, as well as casual conversations surrounding our lives as entrepreneurs. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Ladies Who Launch. Alyssa and I are coming to you from a very sunny Calgary on this lovely Friday morning. Super excited that spring has finally sprung. Alyssa, seriously, like it's doing miracles for my mental health. How about you? I find that as difficult as it is to lose the hour of sleep, the daylight savings jump ahead is a major game changer for me because the evenings that are now lighter... I feel like I don't have to now suddenly hibernate because it's 4.30. And that like at the end of the work day, it's like, oh, there's things I can do. I can like go for a walk because it's still light out. It's like, it's a massive change to the whole ment- my mental landscape um, going to daylight savings. I'd love to see us stay on daylight savings, but that's another conversation for another day. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear you're doing good. I think we're both in, in high spirits uh, coming into the weekend, which is really nice. So guys, we're really excited because we're going to dive right in today. Um, No need to rant because we have the lovely Carly, aka Style to Sparkle, back on the cast for round two of an influencer relations chat. Carly, thank you so much for coming back on. We really appreciate you making the time. Uh, Your last episode definitely saw a lot of um, downloads and we definitely wanted to have you back to continue the conversation. So thank you so much for joining us again. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I could definitely talk to you guys for hours and hours. So this is great. <laughs> Unfortunately, you're not in Vegas this time. Like we feel we feel like I know. I'm in sunny Calgary. <laughs> Back in Calgary with the rest of us plebs. I'm sorry. All this time. I know. I know. But Carly did just get back from uh Europe, well from Germany. I did, um, yeah. Super, super cool. Just uh She's like traveling all over the map makes me feel like I really need to do something with my life. <laughs> Everyone said that they're like, I need to travel now that I've seen you travel. And I'm like, well, just, just go, just do it. Like <laughs> I actually do have quite a few trips planned for this year, but it's mostly for weddings for friends. Still really exciting. You're still um, going somewhere. It counts. Yeah, I don't care. I'm not complaining at all. Very privileged over here. Anyway, Carly, we have a million and one questions for you. So I'm going to actually let Alessa, Alessa, Alessa. Alyssa dive in first, um, just because she had some interesting stuff to chat with you about. And I know we have quite a few things to get through here. So take it away, Alyssa. Well, as Dakota mentioned, uh, Carly, your episode raised a lot of conversation because I think it was the first time people have heard an influencer being very open and honest about how how it all works and sort of the, the, the industry and the process and that it is a career and all those sorts of things. And I think um, your book, um, which I read and Carly was lovely enough to uh, send us digital copies was an eye opener, even for me who works in this on a regular basis. And I think, um, those of us who work in it can sometimes feel that, um, uh, maybe we're doing something wrong or that we're getting the wrong people, or there's such a huge plethora of different um, niche targets from an influencer's perspective of what they cover and what they do. And I think um, I'd like your perspective on sort of jumping off from what we talked about last time in terms of the general sort of industry and how it works. But from your perspective as an influencer, how do you find the right partnerships or the right PR people, right brands to work with? And from the flip side, how can brands find the right influencers? Because I think it's a, it's, it's a quagmire that I think we've all found ourselves in. Yeah. I think it's a a really interesting thing to think about from both sides of it. Um, I've actually done both sides. I've hired influencers for campaigns as well as worked on campaigns myself. So Um, I've also used to be a technical recruiter. So I've worked in the agency space as well. And I understand kind of what that that looks like. So that gives me a unique perspective here. But as far as for me looking for brands that I feel like I align with, 
a lot of times, um, and I think this is something I mentioned on the last episode, I love to have a phone conversation with brands if I can. Um, sometimes it startles them that I'll even offer that as a suggestion. I don't know if it's because I'm an old millennial that I'm right, okay yes. with the phone. People are afraid um, of the phone. They are. Um, but honestly, that's a really good way to know if you're going to be working with somebody especially if you're a brand, if, if an influencer isn't willing to have a phone conversation with you or a video chat, that should raise some eyebrows. Um, just because if you're not willing to have a conversation, what are you trying to hide? Some people I know just have social anxiety and they they struggle with that kind of thing. But it's, if you have a lot of social anxiety, I'm not sure the influencer space is for you because you're having to talk to the camera and put yourself out there on a regular basis. So I don't want to say that you shouldn't necessarily use that as a reason why you wouldn't have a phone call because it's your job to interact with people. So that's kind of a cop out. Um, so like a phone conversation is really good. Just, you know, again, like demographics are are one thing if, you know, your demographics align with what a brand is looking for, but it really has to be a good fit. It's it's one of those things like, I don't want to see somebody talking about dog biscuits who doesn't have a dog and they borrowed their neighbor's dog for that. It's got to be really authentic. I'll have brands reach out to me and ask me to feature my dog and they will name her. They'll, they won't just say, oh, we want your dog to eat these cookies. It'll be like, we would love to feature Hattie on our channels. So I'm like, okay, I'm like, that brand did their research on me because you, I don't post about my dog a ton. So you've got to have dug enough to find her name, um, which to me, I'm like, okay, they did their due diligence. Like maybe I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to consider working with them a little bit more. And I'm not saying that you always have to go out and, you know, get to know the influencer, but I think you should. Um, I've had brands that I've worked with tell me, I've followed you and a handful of other people for six months. And I wanted to see what you were about, what kind of content you posted. Um, It wasn't even so much necessarily about engagement. It was just about the way that I spoke in my stories, the things that I shared, the things that I talked about, the brands that I'd worked with in that time, um, my copywriting skills and that kind of thing, just to see if that would align with them. So six months, it wasn't like, you know what, we need somebody tomorrow. Um, Who do we got? Um, So I think that that's a good thing. If you have the time to really research who you're working with, because you'll get a real sense of people and you'll get at least a sense of their online persona and know that if they're somebody that's worth working with. And that's the same thing too with brands. I think a lot of influencers are like, oh, I just saw five influencers work with this brand. So now I want to work with them too. And it's like, but do you really like, you know, I've seen influencers like, you know, a lot of brands will hire like 50 influencers to do a campaign. And I'm thinking, well, I'm glad they didn't call me because I would have had to say no, because I know that's just not a fit. I don't want it just because everybody else wants it. And there are influencers out there who just have that FOMO. And that's something I talk about in the book too, is influencers get FOMO when they see other influencers working with certain brands. Um, I know that was a thing with like stroller companies. People are like, oh, like I really want, you know, that stroller because she had it. I'm like, but you don't even like that stroller. Like that's not even the one that you want. Like, (laughs) you know, just as a a casual example or it's like, oh, I want to do all this outdoor stuff. It's like, you, you do not, you don't even go for a walk in the park. Like, (laughs) come on now. Like your backyard is as outdoorsy as you get. And that's to take out the recycling. Like, come on. Like, who are you kidding? Right. So I think it's really good to, to find influencers that know themselves and know their brands really well. Mm -hmm. And then also are in like, I, I think influencers in general, it's kind of impossible for them to work uh, broadly, like most often they will have a niche and that's the research that you do. And it's very similar to, um, media relations, like that we used to do in the past, right? Like you're pitching a magazine or a media contact specific to what they are forecasting for the future, essentially. So it's kind of the same with influencers. You should really understand what the influencers niche is before you are pitching them. Um, yes. But then there's the lifestyle influencer, right? And that's something else I talk about in my book. People are like, what does that even mean? I'm like, it basically means that you think you can dip from every niche pot and you can cover everything from travel to cheese strings to pizza to wine or whatever. Like you just, you know, it's like, oh, well now I got a new bed or something like that. So being a lifestyle influencer means that you can try and dip into all of those different niches. But a good influencer... And a good content creator knows how to 
I don't want to say blend those nations, but I guess join the content and connect everything together. So it's like, okay, I get it. It's not like you're just looking for the next paycheck. This actually makes sense for how you live your life. Which leads me to my next question. What makes a creator great? And what makes content great? Or what makes great content in your I think for that, it's important to kind of separate creators from influencers in a way, because I know some people that are amazing content creators, like they're, especially in the photography and the video space. They like one of my girlfriends, she's an influencer and she takes the most gorgeous photos. She just has an eye for it. Like sometimes I'll text her and I'll be like, I need to shoot a flat lay for my book. And I'm like, can you help me? Cause I just, I'm like, I know that you can just see it and I can't. And she'll like, like move two things around and be like, yeah, no, that's better. I'm like, oh my gosh, how did I not see that? So some people just have a creative eye and they're just really good at it. But in terms of creating your own content and content that resonates with people, I think it really comes back to the place of authenticity. You have to be authentic with your audience and know that not every piece of content is going to resonate with everybody in your audience. And for me, um, one of my Instagram posts that I actually talk about in my book is I posted about a baby Brezza formula machine, which is kind of hilarious because I'm not a mom blogger, but this particular product really did change my life. Now, the brand just asked me to post a photo of it in my kitchen um, or wherever I thought uh, made sense for me. Here's a few talking points that we want you to share about why this product is great. 90% of my audience isn't going to care about that product. Let's be honest. There's a lot of single people. There's a lot of people over 45 who I know follow me for travel and wine and interior design. They don't care about this baby product. But for me, when I actually went to go and do this post, instead of just doing this mechanical transactional post for this piece of baby gear, I was like, you know what? This really did change my life. I'm really, really struggling with my inability to breastfeed and the shame that society and social media are placing on me. I wrote a blog post about it. Baby Brezza did not ask me to do that. Um, They just asked me to post a photo. And I referenced the blog post in my Instagram post and talked about how much of a struggle this was for me. And I was vulnerable and authentic and really poured my heart out. And I got a really overwhelming, emotional and supportive response from my audience. People that I know, you know, maybe in five years, they'll have a baby and might think that this is something they want, but they're like, wow, like, you know what? Thank you for sharing your story. Or someone's like, I should tell my daughter about this because she's struggling. I got a ton of DMs. I was like, I left it just kind of whatever comment on your post because I wanted to support you, but I wanted to DM you and tell you personally that this is something that I struggled with too. I just didn't want to say it publicly. And so that's, I really feel like a good creator has that ability to connect because at that point, it wasn't about the formula machine or about like a a sterilizer or whatever product I was selling. It was about the story I was telling and letting people into my life so that they could, you know, really get to know me and see, oh, wow, you know, like she's a real person and this is a real thing. Good thing she had this product because it helped her out, but really who cares about the product? Like I care about her now and I'm invested in her. And that's something that I think a lot of people miss. Wow. That's really interesting too, because the other thing I'd like to point out is just because you're a creator and an influencer and a mom doesn't necessarily make you a mommy blogger. Um, Thank you. Proof of that, right? Because she focuses on other things that she's passionate about. And just because she's a mom doesn't mean she should be testing out a bunch of um, mom and baby products. But that's really beautiful, Carly, that you kind of weave that in. And I actually know that product really well. I'm not a mom, but a lot of my friends are moms. And that product is amazing. <laughs> it is. It honestly is. Yeah. 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 So that's really... Even I would be interested. Like, oh, interesting. Like, that's a that's a really cool story. Um, so that leads me to my next question. Alyssa, if you don't mind, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this next one. Um, this question is really important to me because I think it's something that we are all really wondering about. And I kind of want to get your take on fake followers... Um, as well as engagement pods and kind of discussing around how some influencers definitely do get away with that. Um, how businesses can review an influencer outside of interviewing them and making sure that they're good in that sense, but just making it, is there specific tools you'd recommend or like ways to kind of ensure that those followers really are legit and tell us a little more about what, what are engagement pods and how does that work? 
Yeah. So this is something I'm actually really excited to talk about because not a lot of people ask me about this, which honestly astonishes me. I think it's like a pretty... Like, the right. first thing you would want to ask is a brand. I know, I know. People, people just like, want to know how you make money, how much money you make, and what they don't care about this, which I find really interesting because I think it's really important. It's something I discuss at length in my book. And another place that I would reference uh, to send your audience to as well is there's an HBO documentary called Fake Famous. And what they do, it's so good. It's so, so good. I actually watched it before I published my book. And What's so interesting about this documentary is they take three people uh, in Los Angeles um, who were just kind of like whatever people and they put out an ad and basically just said like, do you want to be famous? And if you do, so they auditioned a bunch of people and whittle it down to um, like these three people. And what they do is they buy them Instagram followers. They help them create content They and they show how you fake creating the content. Um, they had it just to like make it look like you have this brand that you're doing all of these fancy things. They buy them followers, they buy them engagement, they buy them all of this stuff and it's all bots, all of it. None of it is authentic. They did notice that as they bought followers, um, more authentic followers actually did start following them because sometimes it's like, oh, this person seems interesting and because the algorithm pushes them up. But what was interesting too is they ran these accounts through software that's supposed to detect fake followers and they show it on, on the documentary. And they're like, no, it doesn't say that it's bought. It says it's all real. Then brands start sending these people um, products. They start offering them paid partnerships and all that kind of stuff. And none of it is real. So you get to the point where you're like, does this even matter? This is insane to me. And like the fake follower thing, I think it's important to, I don't want to say like, I don't want to say quantify um, because I think that that, you know, you're trying to put a number with that, but to, I guess, define what fake means. So when I think of fake followers, I think of bots, like you've gone to some random website and you've bought bots effectively. So they're just basically accounts that follow you that are like semi-real, but that's all they do. They're dormant accounts, pretty much nothing happens on them. Half of them look the same because a lot of times what they do is they take other accounts likenesses and they do that and they create these accounts. Um, so when it, in terms of like buying followers, that's, um, you know, just not a good practice. And I don't know anybody who actually does that personally. Um, I know somebody who wanted to do that. Um, I met with this lady, we had a zoom meeting and she's like, okay. So she's like, so where do I buy followers? And I was like, I don't know. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, well, my niece bought me like 20,000 followers. And I didn't think that they were the quality followers that I wanted. So now I'm looking for like a different bot farm. And I'm like, I have no idea. Like, that's not something that I do. So I don't know. I'm like, that's not that. they gonna work. The quality that I thought they were gonna be. And I'm like, what? I'm like, oh, of course they're not. They're bots. Like they're not real people. Um, but one way that I know that a lot of influencers have grown their followings and increased their followers are through giveaways and loop giveaways. And brands want to do giveaways because they're they're really fun and people love brand giveaways. Like I gave away an ND mattress last year. I mean, that's amazing, and people were really excited about that. So you're gonna see you know, a huge bump in engagement because everybody wants to win this mattress. I'm not giving away like a, a cup of coffee kind of thing um, or scrunchie or something, but, you know, um, but a lot of influencers, they do these huge giveaways. And I know a number of years ago, uh, they were really popular with a lot of influencers that were starting out. You would get a, you know, a celebrity or usually like a reality TV star or somebody that would say, follow all these people. And then you would see a bump in your followers by 2,000, 5,000, 10,000, sometimes 20,000 people. Um, I'm on some email lists for these because I'm so, I'm just so interested to see um, what the market looks like for that. And it's like, oh, for 450 US, we have a guaranteed gain of 10 to 12,000 followers. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like in a week, like, and those things, they don't just raise red flags with agencies. They raise red flags with your peers in the industry. And people will see like, her followers jumped by like 5,000 people like in a week. Like, how is, how is that possible? And it's like, she must've bought followers. And it's like, likely she didn't. Likely that person was in a giveaway and that's what did it. There is an influencer in Calgary who her following jumped from like 10 or 12,000 people into like the 20,000 um, within like 48 hours. And she went out on her Instagram and was like, I'm being attacked by bots and this is what's happening to my account. And I'm like, 
I know that you're in PR and are you just trying to get ahead of this so that you're the one controlling the narrative? Did you join a giveaway and maybe they're sending bots your way and it wasn't what you thought it was going to be? You thought it was going to be a way to gain um, exposure to other followers and you're just trying to get ahead of it. But at the end of the day, that was a couple of years ago and now nobody cares. And she still works with tons of brands and tons of local agencies and that kind of thing. And, and it's not, it just basically, it's like it never even happened. So, um, it's, it's yeah. kind of an interesting thing. And I know that, you know, it's, it's one of those things, a lot of influencers still do a lot of those giveaways. I mean, you'll see a lot of the big influencers in Calgary, they'll even come out in their captions and say, hi, I'm going to introduce myself because a lot of you only know me from giveaways. Mm-hmm. And so I understand that point of view too, because a giveaway is a great way to get exposure to other audiences. I've partnered with some of my peers where a few of us will get together for a gift card. And then we do shout outs to each other throughout the week of the giveaway uh, to introduce each other to our audiences so that we get that exposure. The key there though, is retaining that audience. It's one thing to get a swath of new followers, but you have to keep them there. You have to keep them through your authenticity, through the content that you produce, because if you're not interesting at the end of the day, once the giveaway is over, they'll bail because they don't care. But if you're interesting enough to keep them engaged, they'll be like, oh, you know what? Like, sweet. I actually found this this chick from a giveaway and she's awesome. And now I love her content. So it kind of goes, kind of goes both ways with that. I think it's, that's an interesting point though, about who to align yourself with for giveaways. So if it's, if it's a group of influencers coming together to, to sort of collaborate and cross promote, make sure that you're sort of all, you all sort of are, I don't want to say the same, but I found with those loop giveaways, and I'm not going to throw any like big influences under the bus, but um, a Canadian influencer, a very large Canadian influencer always does the 12 days of giveaways at Christmas. Yeah. And which is whatever, but the brands always don't align with why you're following that person to begin with. So you might, you might, follow them to get in the giveaway, but you quickly unfollow once the giveaways are over because they don't really fit into what you want your, what you sort of do on a regular basis. So yeah, I think it's an interesting point. Stuff you want to consume. Yeah. Right. And so I would sort of say that from an influencer perspective is that the loop giveaways or the, or the collaboration giveaways from an influencer perspective, I think are good, but just make sure you're aligning with people who have the same sort of values and the same sort of, you don't want the same audience. Obviously you want to bring in more people, but like, if you're, if, if you're a lifestyle blogger, like maybe don't align with like lows. I don't know. Like, because yeah. no, I know exactly probably what are going to keep following lows or you after like your audiences aren't the same. No, that's the thing. That's where the alignment really matters. It matters when you align yourself with the other influencers that you partner with for giveaways and because it's like, well, all they post is pictures of their kids and I'm not into mommy blogger stuff. And I, I don't follow those people because I'm like, I don't want to see all those pictures of your kids. I have kids, but you know, yeah. <laughs> so I feel like I can say that, but it's, I completely agree with you. It's like, well, great. I wanted to win the prize, but now I don't care. And I don't care about your content. So I know for myself, whenever I've partnered with other influencers, it's people that I know that post similar content to me, um, interior design stuff that I love, or maybe they have great wine recommendations and that kind of thing. And, and I agree with you too. It's like, you know, I don't see the brand aligning with you as an influencer when you're doing this giveaway. And that in itself is, is really hard to watch. And then that's also when you start looking like a sellout because it's like, oh, okay, could you not find another brand for that day of giveaway you needed? Right. Or is this the best you could do? Or did they pay you a ton? So you just don't care or that kind of thing. So can we talk for a minute, Carly, about vanity metrics? So yes. one of the things, awesome. Yeah. One of the things I teach my clients um, is that followers look really good and they are important to an extent. Um, but what you really want to focus on is your engagement. I'd really love your take on that statement. And yes. uh, are you back me or you have some arguments? <laughs> I, I thousand percent back you. Thousand percent back you. Um, and with that, I'm going to talk about pods a little bit too, because um, you did ask about that and I didn't get into it. Um, 
with vanity metrics, that's the thing. I actually, I did a podcast that's airing um, in a couple of weeks. And one of the things we really dove into were vanity metrics. And people are like, well, if I have less than 10,000 followers, I can't do anything and it doesn't matter. I'm like, you're pulling in 20 grand in sales a month. Who cares how many Instagram followers you have? You don't need 50 or 100,000 Instagram followers to be pulling in the sales for your business that you need. It's not about that. I mean, at the end of the day, like... I know companies that have 500 Instagram followers and they make thousands and thousands of dollars a month. What it really comes back to is for those brands, especially, I feel like Instagram is great for brand awareness, but as far as sell through goes, unless there's, you know, an ad or something that you've done as a brand to try and get people to click through for sales. I don't think that having a ton of Instagram followers is necessarily going to get you to the, you know, the sales goals that you're looking for. Um, it's just, it's not, people seem to quantify the two, um, and, or equate the two, I guess, thinking like, Oh, well, the more Instagram followers you have, like the, the more sales you're going to have. And that's not always true. And engagement decreases as follower count increases. There's an inverse mathematical relationship there. So it's one of those things that if, you have 100,000 Instagram followers, you're going to have a slightly lower engagement rate than somebody with 50,000 Instagram followers. It just is... I don't know why it's that way, but it is. Um, And engagement is really important. The problem that I find with the vanity metrics of engagement is that not all engagement is public. So if people are engaging on your stories, that's really great, but that's not public engagement that you or I or anybody else could see. Um, One thing that I talk about in my book is I have an audience of DMers. I get DMs about stuff or people who have my phone number will see something on Instagram and they'll text me and be like, oh my God, I saw this. And I'm like, you didn't like or comment. You didn't engage. It's like, well, I'm engaging now. And I'm like, okay, well, but those, those things aren't quantifiable. And that's where it's difficult for influencers when it comes with working with brands. But you know for your own business that those pieces of engagement are what really matters, but it's it's not a vanity metric that you can quantify, which is unfortunate. And the world seems obsessed with vanity metrics, with likes and yeah. um, follower count and all of those things. But like, mm-hmm. honestly, like, what does that mean? And I've seen influencers are like, well, don't you know who I am? I have a hundred thousand Instagram followers. I'm like, great. I don't care. I don't know any of those people. What does that matter? You have a hundred thousand Instagram followers. Great. There's a solar flare. Can you start a fire? Like, can you cook for yourself? Do you have any survival skills? Do you have anything marketable here? Like, so. Well, and I think too that in that, it just reminds me that the other night, like two nights ago, I actually went through my own um, followers list. Like, and I don't have a huge um, account. Like, I think I had almost 800 followers. But when I went through, because I'm like, I want to do this because I don't have like fake follow. I mean, obviously I'm... (laughs) I don't know, fake followers. I'm not that I'm not an influencer. It's a personal business account. But I went through and like there you was could, so many business. You have 20 that are fake. You never know. Well, I, I well, exactly. I'm, I'm, I know I'm this you. is what I'm gonna say. It's like yeah. as I'm going through this, it's like, yeah, the this there was a bunch of accounts that don't exist anymore. Like the businesses went out of business. Um, there's a bunch of like random accounts that followed me and I don't know why. So I removed almost 75 accounts that were either inactive, not real or whatever. And on that's on like my little yeah. account. And so the whole follower thing is irrelevant because if, unless you've done a huge purge or a huge deep dive on your follower list, I would guarantee that at least 10% are, are either fake, like not of your doing, but just yeah. people, whatever, or the businesses no longer exist. Yeah, they're dormant accounts, yeah. that kind of thing. Some people create accounts just to enter giveaways. That's right? another thing that people do. Um, for me, I've done a, a deep dive into that and I try and do it on a weekly basis. I would caution anybody to delete more than 50 followers at a time. Yeah. Um, because if you do that too frequently, I would do like, if you're going to do hundred followers a day, do 50 in the morning, 50 in the evening, that kind of thing. Otherwise Instagram will flag it yeah. um, and potentially lock you out of your account for 28 to 48 hours. So do bear that in mind. But those audits, yeah, that's the thing. Um, I've had um, those like Instagram services um, send me DMs and they're like, oh, hey, like we want to help you grow your following. And so we've sent you 
you know, a sample of 50 followers just to see what the quality of this is like. And I'm like, well, can you remove them? And they're like, well, no, we can't now. Like you're going to have to go through and like, and it's like, great, thanks. Now I have to go through and manually delete this garbage. Like, thank you for nothing. I didn't ask for this. I don't want this. It's not like saying like, oh, my account was attacked by bots. I don't think that's an, like a thing with like 50,000 followers. And if you're saying, oh, my account was attacked by bots and I gained 10,000 followers yesterday, it's like, that's like saying, oh, no, my bank account was attacked by the bank and they gave me a million dollars. Like, no, <laughs> like those things don't really happen. Yeah. Um, there has to be like a realistic explanation for that. But yeah, that's the thing. I mean, they're, sometimes they're just dormant accounts, accounts that don't exist anymore. And honestly, I, I would find it hard to say that there is anybody out there who doesn't have at least a small percentage of bots following them. Um, there is software that anybody can use. There's like a Google, um, a Google Chrome plugin, um, and you can analyze um, people's audiences across all social media platforms. Um, and I mean, that's available to everybody. So you can, you know, see the authenticity of, of followers, but again, based on that documentary, how good is some of this software, right? It's, it's one of those things like Instagram has said, oh, we ban accounts that have fake followers. Okay. Well, that's everyone. That's everyone. And how do you quantify what's just a dormant account? What's like, maybe I just decided to take a social media break for two months and now I'm back, like my, my account's going to be gone because you think I'm a fake account or, or what does that look like? Like it's, it's a whole thing. It's really tricky it to is, know. But I and think like, it is a lesson to everyone as we sort of look back to the likes and followers is that there's so many businesses or even people on their personal accounts that like the fact that they have like a thousand followers. So they don't actually want to go into their followers list and remove like dormant accounts or fake accounts. Like like my own account went from like 743 to 647 or something. Like yeah. when I remove them. And it's like, and then even I was like, oh, that's, that's a but lot. You feel weird about it, right? You feel weird, weird about it, right? Like, I think it's there. a lesson for all, like not just personal accounts, but business accounts. Like, you yeah. should be auditing your followers yes. list on a regular basis. Because yes. that's just good business. Like it is. And so you may might lose a few hundred followers or depending on how big, I mean, like you said, don't do it all at once, but um, really just so you don't get flagged. I mean, just so I, it's easy yeah. to sit there and be like, okay, this is a lot easier. I can but just even keep going. Do, like, zone, 20 a but, day or something, depending yeah. on how big your account is. But I think like all it's of well you worth should it. be doing that. It's, but they're too wrapped up in the fact that, like, oh, well, I have 5,000 followers. It's like, yeah, but if a thousand of those aren't real, what do you That's the thing. And that comes back to the vanity metric of it too, right? Um, people pride themselves on how many Instagram followers they have. I feel weird when people tell other people how many Instagram followers I have. Like if I'm out with friends and they're introducing me to somebody new, they're like, oh, well, she has this many Instagram followers. And I'm like, so weird. How about like, I'm a cool person? Yeah. Like, it's weird. It makes me so uncomfortable. I'm like, great. I'm proud of the following that I have and like having a lovely audience to, you know, share stuff with. But I mean, it's, I don't know, maybe I'm just weird about that kind of thing. I, I guess for me, it's because I don't really do, I don't do it for the fame and the attention. I find like the fame and attention kind of weird because um, I'm just a regular human being. Um, but yeah, no, it's a really, it's a strange thing when people start citing that as like one of your credentials of why they hang out with you. Absolutely. Like it feels gross. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, but it's, it's disingenuous for sure. And like, I think that's, I think the good content creators and influencers are the ones that can really tie it back to something personal and tell a really cool story and get creative about how they're promoting their clients. And then on top of that, they value engagement over the followership piece. Absolutely. And I guess like, let's talk about the pod thing too, because um, we, I feel like we dance around and we haven't talked about it. I talk <laughs> about engagement pods at length in my book. Yeah. Um, I have an entire chapter called the engagement game and engagement pods are one of those things that, um, I had someone read my book and they're like, Oh, well, what I got from it is that I should be joining engagement pods. And I'm like, Hey, you clearly missed what I was trying to say there. That was not what I was, that was not the point I was trying to make, but you do you, I guess. Um, but engagement pods are a tricky business because there's something that I feel like the algorithm has forced so many of us into. I feel like for me, like I'm an engagement pods. I come right out and say it in the book and I'm fine to say it here. Um, the reason why I'm in engagement pods is 
there are groups of women that I've met either through online courses or their local girls that I'm friends with. And I am insanely busy and I can't remember to go and like and support all of my friends' content. I just can't. I don't have time. I so I feel like Instagram in some ways is quite transactional for me. I'm like, I have two kids. My life is swamped. I run another business that has me traveling all over the world and stuff like that too. So it's a way for me to not miss the content that my friends are posting so that I can engage and support them because I genuinely want to do that. And they genuinely want to do that with me. But that also comes back to the alignment piece that we talked about with giveaways and with brands too. I've had people ask me to join engagement pods and I was like, I don't want to be a part of this pod. I don't know any of these people. I don't feel like I align with them. I can't come up with benign comments to just randomly say like, oh, that's so cute. Like on their stuff, like it just, no, it's disingenuous and it feels super gross. For me, the engagement pods that have been in are people that I know really well. Um, They're not just engagement pod. They're a chat group. We share brand contacts. We share experiences. We'll share experiences with PR agencies or brands and things like that. Like as much as PR people talk, influencers talk to each other a ton too. Um, Be like, yeah, you know what? Like work with that agency. They're great. Or like, oof, I think, you know, that's not the best road to go. Or it's like a brand said this to me. How do you think I should respond? There's a lot of support there. One of the examples that I talk about in my book too, with one of my pods was um, my first baby was eight days late. And everyone knew my due date in the pod. And everyone, one of the girls was just like, you better post that you're ha- you had that baby in this yeah. pod first because all her Instagram aunties are waiting to meet her. And I was like, okay, okay. Like it just, you end up, they're real relationships. Now, some pods are just transactional and that's all they are. And they're really just for the engagement. You're hard pressed to find an influencer that isn't in a pod. I find it really interesting that there are influencer agencies in Canada that boast that their influencers have higher than average engagement rates than other influencers in the industry, which is hilarious because I know that those influencers, and I can prove it, are in tons of pods. And that's where all of this engagement that they're Uh, agency is bragging about is coming from. And their agency doesn't care because they're getting brand deals and it's paying the bills for them too. And a lot, honestly, like some PR agencies, they don't care either. They're like, you know what? It just, it is what it is. It's part of the game at this point. And I don't care because it's just, you know, it is what it is. Well, I know, you know, in a way, unfortunate. It is unfortunate. And I know a lot of PR agencies now, um, sort of the, the the mid-size agencies, even in Calgary, will have one or two full-time staff just dedicated to researching and um, pulling influencers and like managing um, influencer relationships. Like it's an actual thing. Oh, it is. Yeah. And again, PR agencies, um, all agencies, doesn't matter if it's PR, advertising, digital, whatever, it's a transaction. I mean, they're there to make their clients money. And yes. so therefore a lot of times the relationships with influencers isn't authentic because they're hiring them for a job and it's transactional, which we talked about in the last episode. So if yeah. anyone wants to get into the transaction piece of it, it's in that in, in the last episode with Carly. But speaking of PR agencies, the one thing that resonated with me in your book, um, because I've been there and I think we've all been there is when you're hosting media nights or launches and things, and you're the PR person that's organized the events, invited everyone, influencers, media people, whatever. And the behavior (laughs) of some of the influencers is well, it's abusive and atrocious and entitled and all of those things. And being on the other side of that is horrifically uncomfortable and embarrassing and awkward because you're responsible because you invited these people. So then your bosses are like, well, what is going on with these people? And you have to be um, accountable. And then it's also just, it's enraging because you cannot believe the people that you've invited for um, X amount of dollars, like whether they're being paid to be there or whether you invited them for whatever, as just guests, VIP guests. Um, and from my perspective, there are, there are many influencers, even in the city of Calgary that I will no longer work with. Um, it doesn't mean that other people or PR people or brands don't, but I personally will not because you burn me once we're done. Yeah. Um, 
I don't have time for that. Like people are paying me, clients are paying me to, to, to make these things happen. I don't, I don't need this. There's a, there's a lot of other people that know how to be professional, but can you talk about it from your perspective? Cause how we've sort of talked about how to find influencers that align with your brand and those influencers that you've invited to these things obviously align or have some connection to why you've invited them. So you sort of got to that point is that you've invited them because they, they check the boxes of, of, of appropriateness in terms of the, um, the agreement. But when you're in a situation and you discover that these, they're just awful, I don't even know what the question is at this point. It's like, how do you then like, is okay. I know there are brand, there are brands that are blacklisted, like yeah. that PR people know that, that we won't work with as clients. We, yeah. we won't work with them. And there are also influencers that are blacklisted, but do you know, as other influencers, like if I came to you and said, Hey, Carly, um, we've invited X, Y, Z person to this. Have you been, do you know this person? I've just heard some things. What are your thoughts about this? And would this person be a good fit at this? Or I've, cause I've heard some interesting things. Yeah. So I've had, I've had brands, I've had local businesses and I've had media companies and PR reps and marketing um, people reach out to me and ask me about other influencers. So like this influencer reached out to me for X, Y, Z, what do you think? And I'll, I won't say like, don't invite them. They're a terrible person. I would never say that because it's not up to me to make that judgment call. I'll be like, here's an experience I might've had, or I'll cite some really good things about them. I'm like, I don't know if you would vibe with them, but you know what? If, if you're not sure, have a phone call with them. I know I keep going back to that piece, but it is one of those things. And if an influencer makes a fool of themselves and acts like an idiot at an event, I should hope that they, you would have an email waiting for you when you get to your desk the next day saying, yeah. oh my God, I'm so sorry. Um, and maybe it's an excuse. Maybe somebody in their family died or maybe their husband just lost their job and they just couldn't take it. And they got to the point where they're like, they lost it on some poor employee and it was not their fault and they feel God awful about it. Can you like, give me the name of that employee? I want to send them a Starbucks gift card just to make it up to them. Cause I feel like a dick. That's a good person. And I think that tells you a lot about it. But when you see a lot of these influencers consistently behaving this way at events. Um, it's really difficult. I've had people say like, oh, I'm having an event. Do you know any other people in this space or in this niche? Or they're like, there'll be events that I'm not even getting invited to. Oh like, no, yeah. hey, that's just being a dick. To no, but that's fine. But that's fine. Cause it's not my niche and it has right. nothing to do with what I do. So they know for me, that's the thing with me that I think also makes me a little bit different is I, I don't get butthurt over stuff like that. Like I'm just it's business. It's like, oh, you're doing this for whatever, like, let's say it's a restaurant opening. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I totally get that. That's just like not a fit for my brand at all. Um, and you want to know who are the foodies in town? Like there's some, the food bloggers are probably some of the nicest bloggers in Calgary. I will say, um, I have some favorites. Um, one that I particularly follow on, um, on both Twitter and Instagram, because she's just delightful. And I, whenever I see her at events, even if they're non-food related events, I'm like, yes, they invited her. She's awesome. Um, and that's the thing too. Like I also try and talk to people that I know that have events and be like, oh my gosh, if you're ever looking for other invites, here's a list of super nice humans to deal with. Um, I like to do that too, but ask influencers. Sometimes they'll just want to invite their little posse of people. Because one of the things that I do talk about in the book too, is like, there's always these influencers who are looking to be this queen bee and you can see it because they're influencers. I don't want to call them lesser influencers, but influencers of like a lower follower count are always like tagging them and everything. And they need to be seen with this influencer. And it's just so like, I don't know, like a combination between like mean girls and gossip girl and this whole weird junior high, high school thing. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like you'll start to observe behavior. But again, there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes too, that like I went to an event for a store opening, um, before Christmas. And I was shocked to see girls that I know vehemently despise each other being like, Hey, how are you? And stuff like that. And But you know what? Even like PR reps do that. I've been invited to events by PR reps that I know don't like me. And I'm like, then why are you, why did you invite me? Like, I'm I'm not for everybody. I know that. Um, And I don't want to be for everybody because I think that's weird. But yeah, finding good people, like you can ask influencers, have phone conversations with people. And again, too, it's like the kind of following them to kind of see for a while, getting to know them. Um, And I think like a lot of 
um, brands and agencies, they just have a roster of people that they go back to and people are like, oh, they're playing favorites. I'm like, no, they're going with what they know. They're going with a known quantity. And I don't think people realize like necessarily, I want to call it the acquisition cost yeah. of, you know, bringing somebody else onto the roster, getting to know that influencer, what that actually takes. Because if you have an employee that that is their entire job is dealing with influencers, then there's a cost to that for you as a business. So if you have this known quantity of 10 people, you're just going to keep going back to those 10 people. Mm -hmm. And, or if you're looking for somebody new, you're probably going to get a reference. I mean, word of mouth, right? Because an influencer, here's the other thing too. I'm not going to recommend somebody or give you a list of people to invite to an event that are going to make me look bad. I'm not going to invite somebody or tell you to invite somebody that's going to make an ass out of themselves because that reflects poorly on me because you got that reference from me. Same with like, if I sent you someone's resume, right? I'm not going to send you somebody who sucks at what they do because at the end of the day, that's going to reflect poorly on my own, my own, um, reputation. Wow. I don't know if that helps at all. No, (laughs) No, it it does. does. And I think (laughs) I think where my frustration is, 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 is coming and you kind of mentioned it in your answer is like, these people just keep getting hired. And I think that's where the frustration is. It's like, everyone knows the, who we're talking about. Yeah. Whatever. But they continually keep getting hired. And I'm just like, who is at fault here? It can't really be them because they're notoriously awful and they keep getting hired. So it's not really their fault because if people know they're awful and keep getting hired, well, I guess that's on the brand and the agency. Like, it's it's just frustrating. It is. It's the same with the followers and the engagement piece and those kinds of things. It's like, well, I know they're doing things to boost that, but it's like, yeah, but you know what? Like she cleared 200 K last year in brand deals. So obviously no one really cares. And it's like, you think it's a big deal for your local business client that, you know, you're not hiring that influencer. It's like, great. She doesn't care. She's getting national brand campaigns and it doesn't matter because how it, that's the one thing too. And I talk about this in the book saying, Influencers are trading with a currency of perceptions. And that's really what it is. Everything is perceived, whether it be the stories or the post or just, you know, even engagement or any of those things. Um, It's a currency of perceptions and it depends how much you want to buy into it. And it's one of those things that's, it's terrible, but it just kind of is what it is. There's no regulation. Um, I know that there are agencies who say like, oh, we're so diligent about doing, you know, checks on all of these influencers. It's like, great. Well, every agency says that, but why is your perception so different than these other agencies that are even, you know, potentially more successful. So, you know, what does it really come down to? There's not, you know, Instagram vigilantes out there. Like, and are you just trying to tear other influencers down or, you know, it's, it's a really interesting, I mean, just really like a dichotomy and just trying to figure out like it, it what's real anymore. No one even knows. No and, one knows. and at the end of the day, like I said, there's girls clearing 200 K that their life is pods and I mean, that's fine. It is what it is. I mean, at the same time, I mean, I've bought stuff that people that I'm engagement pods have promoted because I was like, that actually looks really good. And yeah, she said it's sick. Um, so like you can influence influencers too. I mean, yeah, that has to be recognized too. But yeah, and like the bad behavior, it's like, I know that person is a total jerk. They keep getting invited to events. Sometimes I think it's by accident or it literally is like a follower count or it's like, do they have something on this like PR right. person that... They're like making them get invited to events or they're, or they're still getting hired and they're working with amazing brands. And it's like, you're terrible about what, with what you do. You're like, you're terrible. Um, and again, I talk about that in the book too. It's just like, does it, does it matter? Because it doesn't seem to, or even yeah. sometimes even fit isn't mattering anymore, which is just it's beyond crazy. me. I figured yeah. that should be the thing that would matter more than anything else, but it doesn't seem to. No, um, right. It's, it's ridiculous. Honestly, if it sounds, it's like, I've had enough of like being an influencer and all those things. Yes. To a certain degree, I very, very much have, um, which again is why I wrote my book. It's just kind of, I'm like, is this going to be my swan song out of being an influencer? <laughs> well, um, you sort of, you, you can outgrow things too. And that's, I think, I feel like that's kind of where I'm at as well. I'm outgrowing it. Um, you know, I've got other business irons in the fire and that kind of thing. And also I feel like nothing lasts forever. I'm honestly surprised it's lasted this long. Um, as something that people do for a living, which is really interesting to me. So 
to kind of, this is just such an interesting conversation. I know. Why does I talk to you all day? I'm sorry. I feel like I dominate it to you so much. No, 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 no not at all. No, not that's at all. That's why you're so, here. You're the one to talk. Yeah, that's why we're doing round number two with you. So as a bit of a treat to you guys as well, uh, we're not entirely sure when yet, but Carly's going to be hopping on our Instagram page and reading you an excerpt from her book. Uh, she'll probably choose one of her favorite chapters and, and read that. So please stay tuned for that and check out our show notes as well for where you can buy Carly's book. But to wrap up, Carly, what is your favorite chapter in your book? My favorite chapter... I had to think about this. My favorite chapter is hashtags don't save lives. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, sometimes I think I'm really clever. Um, so you are. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> um, that chapter in particular was one of the things that I really, really wanted to say um, in my book. It's a, like a series of things I wanted to say. And in it, I talk about, um, you know, just like social causes and, you know, the pressure that's put on influencers, but also how influencers think that if they put like hashtag, like most recently, let's say hashtag stand with Ukraine. What does that do? Exactly. <laughs> that create a new no-fly zone? If enough people use that hashtag, is Putin going to stop? Like, yeah. come on now. Like, I saw a thing come up and I posted this to my stories last weekend. It was five TikTok dances you can do to save Ukraine. <gasps> like, no. Shaking your ass on the internet isn't sending arms and munition or diapers or food or medicine oh to the Ukrainian <laughs> people. I don't like, I think there's a massive dead. disconnect there. And that's what people are like, well, I use this hashtag. So I'm doing something meaningful. Or the, the black, the black square. square. The black that square is, is the Ugh. other thing. And I talk about that in the book too. Like I'm like, and I dive into that and I dive into the catch 22 of that. And just, that was honestly what really inspired me to write my book. Cause I was like, I don't like what I'm seeing. I just, I don't like it. Um, yep. the BLM was one. Um, the thing in Gaza was another. And then now with Ukraine and whatever else may happen to come down the pipe, I'm just like, people think that this is, oh, I did something. I, I posted a it's hashtag. It's all performative. It is. It's, it's virtue signaling and you've done actually nothing. nothing. Um, and so I get on a bit of a soapbox. Um, and I had a lot of people edit those chapters specifically. So I'm like, my old man yells at cloud. They're like, no, I think this needs to be said. So that chapter and then the chapter where I kind of um, take it one step further with um, BLM and uh, the influencer effectively. Um, those are my favorite chapters. Yeah, those are good. Amazing. Well, yeah, you well, read it. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> Alyssa knows. Um, I've got mine on order. It should be here soon. I'm so excited to dive in. But Carly, thanks again for joining us today. Um, this, as always, was an amazing conversation with you. So much great information. Thank and you for having me. Please, by all means, go and order Carly's book and DM us and let, me, let us know what you think. And stay tuned for an IG takeover with Carly coming soon. Thanks, Carly. You're awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Ladies Who Launch. Join Dakota and Alyssa every second Wednesday for more conversations and interesting guests. Be sure to give us a five-star rating and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. If you send us a question, we may answer it on a future episode. 